Welcome into the Chris Collinsworth podcast. A couple of my favorite guys joining us here today. Uh, the great Austin Gale, who's in charge of everything that has to do with anything, college football, NFL football, social media. I worked this guy to death. It's embarrassing. And one of these days he'll ask for a pay raise and uh, you know how it goes at PFF. <laughs> Got a 10% chance, but we'll see. How it goes. Austin Gale there, Mike Renner, the king of all things draft related college football. And he knows more NFL than uh, all of us put together uh, on the podcast. How are you guys? Doing well. Fantastic. Good, 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 good. Well, we've got uh, a lot of interesting things to talk about. Uh, we're going to start, uh, first of all, we're going to go through the college football playoffs. I am so pumped to watch these games. You know, I hope I can actually see them without having to do all the typical stuff I've got to do. Uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, we're going to talk about the big game of the week this week that's going to happen right there in Cincinnati where you guys are, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, at the beginning of the year, who would have believed that we would have been talking about the potential, the potential that the better quarterback in the game, I can't even say it out loud. Can I even say this? I, I Potentially, at least according to PFF numbers, Gail, help me out here. I need help. <laughs> is Joe Burrow, is that even possible? It is possible. He is the highest graded quarterback in the NFL right now. That's how good he's been. He has been phenomenal. And I think a lot of it, ha there's been a lot of really good discussion around Joe Burrow and like, how could someone who has you know, this many interceptions, right? 14 interceptions on the season. How can he be the highest graded quarterback in the NFL? Well, a lot of that is plays just like the one you saw where he drops it in the bucket to Jamar Chase and it gets popped up and intercepted. That's why PFF obviously does so much more than the boxer or so much more than passer rating and these things. Joe Burrow has been phenomenal and coming off of literally best game of his career 525 yards against yes an injury plagued COVID battered Baltimore Ravens team but they stepped on throats man it was a game they needed to win and win big and they did just that yeah Mike. I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy because Patrick Holmes has not been Patrick Mahomes this year and now of late he's been a lot closer but I do think there is still a real sort of blueprint about how to attack this offense how to limit the big plays of Kansas City Chiefs that teams are employing to a much better degree than we've literally ever, ever seen at any point in the Mahomes era. All right. So I don't want to do the whole conversation now. I, I, I want to save a little bit of that because I, I am like champing at the bit here to get into the Cincinnati, but I can barely believe it, but the Bengals with a chance now correct me if I'm wrong, if they win this game somehow at home, one o'clock game for God only knows why it's a one o'clock game. But it's a one o'clock game. If the Bengals win this game, they would clinch the division, right? And they would have a tiebreaker over Kansas City should it come down to they both end up. Now, I know what they're a couple of games back of them, but not inconceivable for the top seat. Come on, talk me off the ledge here. This is this is like stupid talk. What are we talking about here? I don't, I, I, the one seed is stupid talk in my opinion. I, I don't think the Chiefs are losing back to back games to end this season, but the Bengals clinching the North this week, I don't think it's crazy. Like uh, the Chiefs, as much as, like I just said, as much as they've looked good of late, a lot of that's been on the backs of a dominant defense. And, and they also haven't faced the likes of this Bengals wide receiving core. Like it is about as good as you'll see anywhere in the NFL. I mean, up there with the Bucks and the Cowboys went fully healthy and just in terms of, one, two, three on that roster. Any of those guys can get open at any point in time. So you really have to have a lot of answers defensively 
to get at this Bengals offense uh, when they are humming. Yeah, I think this Bengals receiving core, honestly, is one of the best in the NFL. I think I put it in the top three, top four. I guess if Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are healthy, maybe you're considering the Tennessee Titans. But I do think that the Bengals receiving core, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, is something that the Chiefs really haven't seen this year. Can you tell me a little bit more about the uh, whatever the shirt you've got on there with the yellow bow tie? It's just... it's it's Michigan, okay, right, Chris. Right, it's right, Michigan. I just, okay, I just needed to know. I I, I knew there was something I couldn't see on the screen. I just I, I just needed. Looks to like know. he's wearing a robe. I, I I didn't know what that was, man. I was like, I go, okay, I, you know, things have changed since I've been out of town. I just didn't know how. Yeah, all right, let, let's do just a little bit here, though, on the coach. Let's do a little bit on John Madden before we get started into the college playoffs and all the different things. Because this guy really was the standard for everything, right? I mean, how many people in one lifetime were arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time, won a Super Bowl there? In broadcasting, I, I said he's like the original LOL, right? Before there was such a thing as LOL, there was John Madden, where you found yourself just laughing out loud multiple times during the game, and he would kind of catch you off guard somehow, you know, because he would go from this serious analysis of football to all of a sudden showing a guy with his helmet off and steam coming out of his head or the fat roll around one of the offensive linemen or something that he could truly relate to because he was a former offensive lineman I, I i always think of the turducken days on thanksgiving and nobody like my son jack said what, what's a turducken nobody even knew what a turducken was and and he would take his hand and karate chop into the the turducken and and like pull out chunks of meat and hand them to pat sumrall who would do everything he could to just fall away from and not touch a piece of the turducken that John had just karate chopped his way into. I mean, do you guys have a memory? When, when does the memory of John Madden kick in? Because for me, it was a, a dinner at our house. And my two boys were both in the junior football league at that point. And John Madden showed up. And so there's like a line of people waiting to meet. And, you know, it's like the king was there. And they're all waiting to to shake the hand of the great John Madden and have a brief conversation. So I said, before you do all that stuff, I said, can you come over and just meet my two boys? They, they play Madden. They'll be nuts to meet you and all that. He said, absolutely. So he goes walking over there and he sits down and he starts, you guys play in a junior football league, huh? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what, what do you do? What kind of defense do you guys play? Well, it's a six-two. That's what the high school plays, and you know, that's what we do. Six-two. He goes, I know how you beat a six-two. Here's how you get it. And he starts doing all the, this Madden stuff. He takes the knife and the fork and the salt shaker and the pepper shaker, and he's moving them all around the table. And the boys are sitting there wide-eyed. And I, I'm swear, like an hour, hour and a half later, he has not left this spot. He is full arms flailing, full Miller Lite beer commercial, John Madden with these boys. And they are loving life. And he just goes on and on and on. And it was so incredible. At the end of it, he got up and he goes, all right, been great. It's been a great dinner. Thanks so much for everything. I got to go. And everybody else, that was it. Like, he just hung out with the two boys talking ball the whole time. And, you know, and, and that's who he was. He was a family guy who loved kids, who loved teaching football to kids. 
and he just you never knew where he was going to go you just never knew but he was so unique and such an amazing guy i'm sure both of you have some first glance at your life with with john madden and part of the reason that you probably fell in love with football i mean to speak to before mike goes to speak to like just kind of what you touched on the top like john madden is literally positively affected like three separate generations of human beings that watch football, right? The people who recognize him as a coach and recognize him as a broadcaster. And obviously the name on the most popular football game, literally on the planet and probably will go down as the most popular football game ever. He has positively affected so many generations to speak to like a legend, right? Like he is legitimately a legend, a goat, whatever you want to phrase it. He has been awesome. But one of my first memories, I grew up in Oakland, California. And my dad poured on that the Raiders were everything. And my dad was in, you know, in the prime of his fandom years when Madden, you know, was winning as a head coach. And I think um, it was, it, it, he, you know, my, I watched football because of John Madden. You know, I, I started watching football because of John Madden. And I think it's rare. You know, there's rare that broadcasters will do that, right? In my career or in my like young fandom, it's like I would turn on the game because I know he's on the call. And that just to, to speak to that and, and just the impressions he had, my dad spoke about John Madden to me like he was like a god. Like John Madden is everything. He was everything to me as a head coach. He was everything to me as a broadcaster. So it reminds me a lot of my dad. I think a lot about my, the relationship I have with my dad and the relationship I have with you know the Raiders and the fandom I had as a kid. So John Madden being a huge part of that was definitely, um, you know, obviously just, a, just an awesome dude. Yeah. He genuinely loved the game. And I think you see that on broadcast, you, that like shines through, you can't fake that. And that was the biggest reason why like, and the minute of the game, the X's and O's, he loved that portion. And also the lighter sort of side of the game as well. But my early memories, I remember bringing a sign. I went to the Packers playoff game against the 49ers I think it was the first playoff game I've ever been to uh, in 2001, I want to say it was. Uh, and I had a sign to, that said, circle me, Madden, that uh, I brought to that game. Because <laughs> uh, he used to circle fans in the stands that had signs that said, circle them. So I wanted to get to it. Didn't end up getting circled, sadly. But I do think the other thing uh, about Madden that sticks with me is that if I were to, I've never had athlete's foot in my life. If I got athlete's foot tomorrow, I would go out and buy Tenactin based off of the commercials that happened 20 years ago, because I haven't seen a commercial about athletes foot since then, but it was just so memorable. Those the boom, tough acting to acting commercials that I was stuck with me. Like I said, this later on in my life. Um, I, there's, there's just so many things with the guy that, that were so fantastic. I, I always, I always think of the one with EA sports and, Again, I, I, I was on the Today Show the other day and I told this story and I go, I, I'm not even sure it's true. You know, with John, it was like he would just, <laughs> if it was a story, it was, we were so happy with it. Um, but he, he would tell a story of the guy, he had this guy that tried out for, kept bugging him, wanting to try out. And he was a monster. He's like 6'8 and weighed 330 pounds. He's like, coach, I can play. I can play. I'm telling you, I can play. And so he finally just wore Madden out who, I don't know how the guy kept able to get contact with him or whatever. So he goes, all right, dude. So they set him up, put him in some equipment downstairs. They're going to have one of their big offensive linemen come down there and block this guy and see what he had or whatever. And so he's like, okay. So John goes walking out on the field with this dude and he comes walking by and he, (laughs) and he takes his forearm and bashes it into the goalpost, just bashes into the goalpost. And the goalpost breaks. I don't know if it falls down. I don't know what happened. The goalpost breaks. So you can imagine John at that point. And now he's telling the story and he's like, oh, 
Oh, oh, we got forget the tryout. Forget the try. This guy can can break a goalpost. That's what I need. I need goalpost breakers on my football team. So we're going to sign you to a contract. We don't need to do the tryout. It's all good. He's like, we got a goalpost breaker now. So they go back in. They sign him to a deal, and this guy's good. The head of security comes by a few hours later, and goes, uh, Coach, I don't know what to make out of this, but on our security film last night. We had a picture of this real big guy who had a hacksaw and was going outside <laughs> on the field. So the guy rigs the contest. He's got the he hacksaws through the goalpost. So when he walks out with Madden, he can knock it. Oh my God. I'm telling you, he started telling this story and I could not contain myself. I was laughing so hard. I go, get out of here. That is, he goes, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a true story. But he would sit in the lobby of, of hotels and he would just sit down you know and of course it would take five seconds for people to start gathering around and then he would you know he would just talk to them and he would ask them questions about their lives and do the whole thing then the crowd would get a little bigger and then they'd hear john and so he'd get a little bit more animated then he'd start telling stories and pretty soon you've got this lobby that is in hysterics listening to this guy tell story after story after story and I was like, you know, I, I had heard about Muhammad Ali one time that Muhammad Ali was negotiating a contract and he was in a limo in New York City. And the guy was trying to say to Muhammad Ali that you're not nearly as famous as you think you are. You're just an athlete and a lot of people out there wouldn't even know who you are. So I can only pay you this much as opposed to what you want, which is that much. Muhammad Ali then turns to the guy and goes, I'll tell you what. I'm going to get out of the car. I'm going to try to walk to the next block. If I make it there, then I'll take your price. If I don't make it there, you owe me my price. Deal. Muhammad wow. Ali gets out of the car. As you might imagine, there is a madness that happens. That people are running across the street. No car is moving anywhere for like forever, as long as he stood out there, Ali chants start in the streets. It's it's like insanity, right? And so Ali gets back in the car, boom, that's it. He gets his price. And John Madden was the same way. John Madden would show up in the bus. There'd be a crowd around the bus. John Madden would sit in the lobby of the hotel and hold court, and there'd be a crowd of people around. And I just don't think that there's been a guy like that you know i i don't know who that person would be in the history of the national football league but he's just a national sort of treasure my wife said they should put the bus in the smithsonian then they should <laughs> they should put the bus in the smith how much would you like to go through the madden cruiser right um my other favorite madden story and this one he told me was that that um he goes when i said how did the whole madden game thing start and he said, uh, he goes, oh, you won't believe it. This, this kid showed up and like, like he was from where I lived and he showed up and he, he wanted me to, to, you know, give him plays for a video game. I didn't even know what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And so he, he does this video game. And so he wants to, wants me to do this and give him my plays and give him, you know, that he can, he can do the whole thing. And so, you know, then we started talking about, all right, well, what's the deal? And he said, well, coach, I want to give you half the company and I'll take the other half and we'll just build this together. And John said, 
you know, if you want the coach, you got to pay the coach. <laughs> so he ends up settling for like a hundred thousand or something. I forget what the number was. Wow. You know, like, so he got like a hundred thousand out of this kid that he had no idea who he was. And I think seven years later, they thought they got to a product. They got to the end. John hated the whole thing. It was something like seven on seven football instead of real. So they start all over again. So this process was like ridiculous. But John, you know, in the middle of telling this story, he goes, then at the end, he goes, he goes, yeah, I was a genius. I got a hundred thousand dollars out of that kid. He goes, I could have had half of EA sports, but I got a hundred thousand dollars. I go, get out of here. He offered you half of EA sports. He said, well, what became EA sports? That's what it was, you know? Wow. So he could take any, any ordinary moment, right? He could take anything that was just in my eyes or your eyes would just, you, you would just go right, right by it. But for him, he would see something unique in that story or that opportunity to communicate it. And you can only imagine him as a coach, right? You can only imagine what he would have been like to, once in a while he got featured in the Fox pregame show when he was working for Fox and he was wanting to take people's heads off, you know, when they were doing spoofs or jokes about him. So, you know, let's not make him out to be this, you know, he was a tough guy. He was definitely a tough guy, but, um, God dang, man. It's, it's, it's some loss. It's that, you know, not just for the people that knew him, it was just for the people that, that loved him. You know, they were just fans of his. And then, you know, I think everybody sort of has that favorite, uh, that favorite memory of him. It's weird to look back because I, everyone obviously remembers him as the announcer, the video game, but like he was one of the best coaches in the NFL, like NFL history. He won 75% of his games as a head coach, like walking away from that would have been unprecedented in this day and age. I, I, I really do wonder what like the sort of narrative or what the, what was being written about him at a time when he did walk away, because it would almost be not like Bill Belichick in his prime, but like, uh, It'd be like, I don't know, Matt LaFleur walking away from the Packers after this year, like with how dominant he was with the Raiders. Yeah, I, I don't know how much of it, it it got played out to be because he was afraid of flying, right? Yeah. And he really wasn't afraid of flying. It was more he was claustrophobic. Like he hated being in elevators. He hated any of that kind of feeling. And I think on his last road trip, he, he had a like a panic attack or whatever happens to you when you have claustrophobia. And I, I think he just said to himself, if I manage to step off of this airplane without ripping open the door and jumping out right now, I'm never getting back on a plane again. And I don't think he did. I, I, I don't think he did. Now, I, I think it ha probably had a little more to do with family and some of that stuff too. I don't know exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, the crazy thing about it is I replaced the guy twice. I mean, most people wouldn't know that, but I replaced them at Fox when he went to Monday Night Football. They literally said, Chris, Troy, no one human being can replace John Madden. So we're putting both of you guys on there because well, we don't want anybody to be compared yeah. to right. I go, thank, thank you, God, for doing that. That's that's great. Um, and then at NBC, where he really stunned all of us when he retired um, at, at age 70. And he had just called the Super Bowl, Arizona, you know, and Pittsburgh with the great touchdown pass at the end of that game. And 
the incredible performance by Larry Fitzgerald and could he, if they've gotten the final Hail Mary off, would he have caught it again to, to win the game? Who knows? Um, but it was, you know, and then, cause I got a call at, I was, I was doing it, believe it or not, I was doing a charity thing for Dan Snyder of the Washington football team. And I was just getting, leaving that. And I literally had stepped one foot onto the airplane uh, to go home and Dick Ebersol called me, who was my boss at NBC and goes, where are you? And I said, I'm in Washington. I just did a speech. And he said, get off the plane, get on the next plane to New York. I need to talk to you. So I just figured I was fired. I was like, I don't really know what I did, but I, you know, I, I'm fired. I already know that. So I get off the the plane and and go to New York, and he said, John retired, and I need you to do the games. So I'm like, what do you mean, John retired? He just did the Super Bowl. Why would he retire? And for me, it was horrible timing because I still had my boys were in high school, and I was going to high school games, and Austin was playing at Notre Dame, and. You know, I was I was happy because I didn't have to go in until Saturday night. When you do the games, you have to go in on Thursday night or you know Friday morning or whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh! And and but yeah, it, it's you just never knew with him. He he told me uh, before that Super Bowl, my birthday's on January twenty seventh, and it was like the le- the week leading up to the Super Bowl. And he said, and they had like a little cake and candles and, you know, little thing for me. And John was there and he goes, he goes, I can't tell you how hard that struck me. This is well after the fact, he goes, you're 50. He goes, I I go, yeah, it hit me that way too. He goes, you're 50 years old. He goes, I've held this job too long. It's not my turn anymore. It's your turn to do this job. And I, I'm like, oh, gosh, I wish you'd ask me about it first because the timing <laughs> could not have been worse, you know? <laughs> and, and, but yeah, he, he was like that. It was like there was a right and a wrong. And for him, that was it. You know, it's just like that was it. But anything was in play. Any, any conversation, he was so brutally honest. He would, he would tell you what you thought. Um, you know, one of the other things that, he, I asked him how he did the game. You know, I say, cause as a, you know, everybody wanted to be John Madden and I refuse from the beginning to go boom. I, I go, that's, John <laughs> I am not. And, but you couldn't help it. If you grew that up in that so era, good. right. Yeah. If you grew up, you, it was like, yeah. when you saw a big hit. You just, well, the first thing that came to your mind was boom. Mm-hmm. And so I probably said a couple of them, but all over broadcast television, people were saying, boom and slobber knockered and whatever all of John's phrases were. I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm just not, I'm not, not that's John Madden. That's not, that's not me. Um, but he was, you know, he was just one of those guys that you just, you wanted to be just like him. You just (laughs) wanted to, you wanted to do the broadcast that he did. But I said, how do you, how do you do it? And he goes, you watch it inside out. And I go, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and he said, he goes, he goes, Chris, if you follow the offensive and defensive linemen, you'll know what's happening on the play. I go, why? And he goes, well, you know, if a guy's pulling, you know, you got either that or a play action or a bootleg or whatever. If you got, you know, they're going this way, it's either outside zone or going bootleg out of it. He goes, because I promise you, if you watch the first second of the play, 
watch the offensive line. You'll know what's going on. And I'll be damned. You know, it took me a little while to figure out how to do it, but it's so much the better way of doing it. I mean, I start every play, like I've got a monitor in my booth that is the end zone shot. So I can see, you know, that the, the sky cam and that's what I'm watching. And I'm watching the offensive line. Now, occasionally, like 10 times a year, <laughs> I start talking and I have no idea what happened to the ball. That something, <laughs> something weird happened and I go, and Al looks over at me like, start talking, stupid. And I go, I don't know what happened to the ball. I was watching the guard or I was watching the tackle or I was watching something. But that's that's what he did. So he was an offensive lineman and he initiated all thought from the offensive line out to the receivers and the quarterback. So while everybody else in the world is watching the quarterback, John Madden, and now I am not, you know, we're watching this inside out philosophy, which I think was dead on. I think you spoke to it a little bit. And I think I've talked a lot about, I think a lot of people have talked about like the legacy, right? And like how much everyone loved him. People loved Madden for who he was. And I think the impact that he's had and all that stuff. But I think there are some similarities too to Stuart Scott in terms of what he did to impact like media, right? Like impact like you and like other people who are in media, like how they want to approach themselves and like being playful, being funny, bringing like slobber knocker and boom to the thing. I think there are some similarities there and that like he legitimately changed how people do media in addition to obviously like being at the genesis of a lot of fandom for the NFL. Yeah, he was. And I think, I think the thing that, can you imagine driving across the country that many times like the first time I did Sunday night football was in Tampa because John had literally taken they, the schedule got whatever and usually they tried to take care of him a little bit but he had like San Francisco Washington LA you know Atlanta so he was literally driving across the country like four or five times in a row and they finally went Chris just give the man a break go down and call this Tampa game I go, yeah, sure, whatever. Little did I know that it was actually like game seven of the whatever it would be, the ALCS or whatever, one of those, and Tampa was in it. So there was nobody, nobody, the Bucks were out of it. And, and so we're all sitting there. And the only time you heard a cheer in the stadium that night was when something happened in the baseball game because they all had their phones or whatever watching the baseball game. It ended up the lowest rated game in the history of Sunday night football. And that was my world debut on this. <laughs> it's the first time that I actually called a game for John Madden. Um, but yeah, it, it was, but traveling across the country and stopping in every dive. He never wanted to go to a good restaurant, right? He never, ever, like it was dive or bust. Like he knew where they all were and he liked those people. And the Madden cruiser would pull up in front and literally people would drop dead when he'd walk in a restaurant somewhere and he would hold court just like we were talking about before. But can you imagine the uniqueness of his experience within America? and the people that he met. I wish every politician had to drive across the country exactly like that and meet everybody, not just the New York and LA and Texas and Florida people, but meet everybody in America. Uh, and he was one of those guys that had that perspective um, that nobody else really had, nobody had it. That was uh, like who this, one of the former sports directors here in town in Cincinnati tweeted out after a couple of days ago about 
that when Madden came to town, uh, only Madden showed up for their, they had like some production meeting with the sports director in town and only Madden shows up and he asked, where'd everyone go? And he said, oh, they, they had their dinner, their lunch went long at Masonette, which is like, like a former five-star restaurant here in town. And he's like, oh, why didn't you go? He's like, oh, I, ha- I went to Skyline. And he still had, he said Skyline chili uh, stains on his shirt, apparently, at the meeting. He, he, we still go in Green Bay to uh, – Skyline is the Masonette compared to this place that we go to in Green Bay. <laughs> and they've got a knockoff sort of of Skyline chili at this place. And But it's like tradition. Our guys, they still got to go there because that's what John Madden did. We still go in on Friday mornings or Thursday night because that's what John did. When John was going around the country traveling, the rule was you never woke up coach. So if they got to Baltimore and he was still asleep, if it was six o'clock in the morning, you didn't stop the bus. The bus just kept driving around in a circle until coach woke up, you know? (laughs) And I, I I mean, it's like, there's so many stories that you go, all these can't possibly be true, but when it's John, you kind of go, they probably are, you know, they probably are. I don't, I don't know. So, uh, I I'm, I'm just glad. I mean, it wasn't like we were best friends or I hung out with them all the time or any of that, but you got enough of life's experience through his eyes for me to feel like I had some understanding of the man. Um, but, but more importantly, I think I still saw him as a kid, you know, I still saw him as when I first saw him on television with what he did. And I did, I did the Madden game for a couple of years. I was like the voice of, of that game for a couple of years. And you don't talk about literally <laughs> just torture trying to go through this. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I, I swear to you, I went through one time. Uh, Peyton Manning's that's his second interception here of the first half Peyton Manning oh that's his third interception of the first Peyton Manning that is his 13th interception of the first half blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> Peyton Manning that is his 17th interception of the first half and then my next line was this because I, I had to end this lunacy I said that's Peyton Manning's 17th interception of the first half I said somebody go out there and shoot his ass because that is not Peyton Manning I don't know who <laughs> wearing that uniform but you you made yourself insane you had to do every scenario like time after time after time (laughs) for this video game and there's a reason that no broadcaster lasted more than like three or four years doing this because it was just you were in the loony bin by the time you got (laughs) finished doing it it was nuts never i never really thought about how much like how hard that would be to like record all those different scenarios for madden i feel like that had i mean they have had a lot of like turnover right and like who has broadcast i remember gus johnson did one and all that stuff but i imagine it would be very difficult and at the time when i was first doing it the kids were playing something called what was this thing called street ball or street nfl street that game was sick NFL street, yes <laughs> so all right now nfl street was this NFL street was, it was like a, they talk trash, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the game had in there, Oh, in your face, you know, and like, like trash talking, you know, back and forth. And so, and I was, I would watch the boys play this game for like hours. And I was like, you know, so I just thought that's what a video the video game world was all about. So there were things in there, especially when like, if you're horrible, 
that I would make fun of the guy, whoever was playing, you know, and I would just go, oh, you're pathetic, you know, so what are you doing? You know, so whatever, I was like, probably I was bad. So, but it would be like, you know, if you threw fumbled seven times or something, whatever. And I, and so I would throw these things in at the end of the game. What I didn't think about was probably the people who were fumbling seven times or throwing nine interceptions in the first half were probably a bunch of six-year-olds learning how to play the game. And so I went through a couple of years of all of, I would have like 12 year olds who were six or seven at the time learning how to play Madden going, you're so mean on that game. You were so mean to me. And I'm like, oh man, I am so sorry. I go, you're probably right. You were probably making a lot of mistakes learning how to play the game, right? Because yeah, you were like so mean. I was like, that's it. I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. It was just, and it all came from NFL Street. That's exactly where the whole thing, never mind. That's incredible incredible all right we got a couple other things to talk about i could go on all day talking about (laughs) he's amazing well the nfl season is winding down the playoffs will be here before you know it and at DraftKings sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the nfl the offers are getting even more amazing new customers can bet just five dollars on any nfl team to win their game and if they do you win two hundred dollars in free bets so don't miss out on this action if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet you can still be a part of the nfl action that's right everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy football contests DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code pff and bet just five dollars on any nfl team and win two hundred dollars in free bets if they are victorious remember promo code pff this week at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl must be 21 or older new jersey indiana pennsylvania only new customers only minimum five dollar deposit one dollar wage required one per customer restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem please call 1-800-GAMBLER Do you want a chance to win the ultimate game day feast, whether it's football success or financial savvy? Winning starts with asking the right questions to us. I guess it does. Would you like to know what's uh, behind the scenes on Sunday Night Football with Al Michaels or Mike Tirico? Or how about a need to know for your financial future? That's way more important. Now you can ask about either or both. Every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a catered party for February's big game. PFF will throw a party worth up to $2,500. That's a good party for the big game in February. Of course, you know what that is. For up to 25 guests, and the winner can choose whatever food they want. It's not North Carolina Duke in basketball, right? This uh, week's question comes from Christina in New York. Uh, do you have a pre-Sunday night football routine? Um, I never really thought about that, but I guess I kind of do. I, I So we have a production meeting at 10 o'clock in the morning where we kind of go over some of the storylines and graphics and all that sort of stuff. Um, I come back and I've got a guy in the booth that I work with that does a lot of our data and works with PFF and puts everything together and guy named Andy Freeland. And so for like two hours, I go over names and notes and numbers and just, you know, one final check of everything. Um, and then I typically go down to the gym 
and work out and watch football that comes on at one o'clock or 10 o'clock, depending on which coast uh, that we're on. And then I come back up to the room and we just kind of pop around on all the games. Typically I, I'll watch either the Bengals, sorry, but I do. And, or I watch one of the teams from that's going to play in our Sunday night football game the next week, or I watch both the games for the Sunday night, or sometimes there's just a great game on and, and I watch that and we go to the stadium about know, maybe four hours before we uh, are actually on the air. And I eat a lot of food over there. I have peanut butter and crackers and uh, whatever else they're serving. I try to starve myself all day because something about doing a broadcast, you just want to eat all the time. You want to eat all the time. You want to drink coffee. You want to anything to keep your energy level up and all that sort of stuff. So Al has uh, grapes almost the entire game. But that man has snacks all the way through the football game. I, you know, he's got it's it's unbelievable how, how he times out when he can talk and eat. I have no idea, but he he does that better than anybody. And then uh, if we were going back to the hotel, we go have a cocktail afterwards. If not, we get on a plane and go home. So there you go. There's Sunday night football, and in between there's a three hour game. And of course, doing the opening on camera, Al and I both feel like that. Once we get past that, the rest of it's just a football game. So <laughs> we go have a little fun after that. So that's it. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris, C-R-I-S. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash askchris. And if you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, with Western and Southern, you can rest assured on game day. For a limited time, you can get 50% off a PFF Elite Annual subscription if you use code ELITEUP, E-L-I-T-E-U-P. Grades and data are live for every single player who logged a snap last week. Uh, what can you get for your PFF subscription, you ask? All of PFF's locked article content, of course, that's great. You see everything. PFF's NFL and college football betting dashboard, so you're going to pay for Elite in no time at all. NFL Green Line is up to 27 units up this season. That's how much you're going to make because they're, we're just handing out money. College Green Line is up 32 units this season, which means you would have already been retired by now if you'd been on that. Uh, zero to 100 grades of every single player, including the top rookies on every team. Player prop tool, which shows plus minus value for every NFL prop, which everybody's having a lot of fun with, and a whole lot more. A Christmas gift to you. That's what this is. Use promo code ELITEUP for 50% off an entire year of PFF Elite. So I went to law school at the University of Cincinnati, live in Cincinnati at least half the year. And I want to go, hey, Bearcats, they always are, they're not great in the first half of these games, but man, the second half, they usually stretch out the lead and they're number four in the country and they beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame, Alabama, you know, until just recently. And when they played Georgia, didn't look like world beaters. You know, they really should have lost two games this year. So my Bearcats have a chance, but do they? <laughs> I mean, is this just one of those, how close can the Bearcats keep it? Or do they actually have a chance to win the game? I think they actually have a chance. I truly do. And it's because there's no, like you said, unbeatable team in college football this year. We saw that with Georgia in the SC championship game. There's no real 
complete all-around football team. Like this Alabama defense is not sending out first rounders in their entire secondary like we've seen sometime in years past. Like I, I do think Cincinnati, as much as they've gotten, you know, pooped on for being a group of five school and oh, they don't belong. You just look at NFL talent. I believe they have the second most senior bowl invites behind Georgia of any team in college football this year. They have a quarterback who is going in the mix for the top quarterback off the board next April. They have a cornerback who is in the mix for a first round cornerback. Who's also not a senior who doesn't even include in that senior bowl conversation. Like they have legitimate dudes that aren't just, Oh, this scrappy football team that plays well. No, there's a lot of high end athletes on this team. Like they can go toe to toe with the big dogs in college football. Can they win? I mean, it's going to take some fluky stuff in my opinion for them to win. But when you have, like I said, the quarterback, when you have the secondary that they do, you can hang with pretty much everyone in college football. The, the bigger thing to me is can they stop Alabama's off the line in the running game? And can they pass protect for Desmond Ritter? Those are going to be the two things that, if I were to say the biggest mismatches in this game, those are them. Cincinnati has NFL talent. They're going to have multiple players who are drafted inside the top 50, top 60, and they match up well in that their strength on defense, pass coverage, as Mike hit that, you know, Kobe Bryant, the, um, you know, the winner for the best defensive back in college football, Ahmad Gardner, one of the best cornerbacks in this draft class. They have the mat, they match up well in terms of stopping Bryce Young, stopping this passing attack, stopping Jameson Williams, et cetera. But like you said, it comes down to the trenches, right? It comes down to Alabama objectively has a better offensive line than what, you know, uh, Cincinnati is going to be able to trot out from a front seven perspective. If Alabama decides to just run the football on Cincinnati, it could be very difficult for them to stop. And the other worry too, is like Cincinnati's offense isn't a juggernaut, right? Like they have not won with like big point totals on that side of the ball. And yes, they have an experienced quarterback. Desmond Ritter should be drafted inside the first three rounds in the 2022 NFL draft, but it's not a juggernaut offense and it's going against a very talented Alabama defense as it's been for the last, what, 50 years. So I think it could get more lopsided as the more I think about it, just because Alabama has answers, even if they don't match up well, but I, I do think that Cincinnati has a chance is fair. And that's evident in the line, right? Like this is a 13 and a half point spread between a group of five team and Alabama. There are bigger spreads in the NFL this week. You know, the Patriots are favored by 15 and a half of the Jags. And those are two NFL teams. So I do think that they're getting credit in the spread. Like 13 and a half is a lot of respect for Cincinnati um, and how talented this team is. If you guys had to pick it, which way would you pick it against that spread? I'm going Cincinnati. I, I truly do think that, like I said, they have enough answers defensively to limit Alabama. I mean, we saw this Alabama team struggle to score points against sort of a similarly built team or at least defense in Auburn that has kind of a true number one corner that is going to give whoever he's guarding fits uh, in that game. That was Auburn had Roger McCreary. Cincinnati obviously has Ahmad Gardner. They have some guys who can get after as pass rushers, some guys who can actually put heat on Bryce Young. That's Majay Sanders along the defensive line for Cincinnati. Like I, I think they'll hold up at least well in pass protection or excuse me, pass coverage, which that's that's where Alabama's won this year. They have not won on the ground. The offensive line is not as dominant in years past. They've won because Jameson Williams and John Mechie are dudes. And now they're not going to have John Mechie in this game. So it's just Jameson Williams. So I do think that Alabama has uh, just doesn't have sort of the juice uh, outside of Jameson Williams now that I think Cincinnati is going to try to double them as much as they can and make them go elsewhere. I've gone back and forth on this game. Like I said, I do think they match up well. What Mike is saying about them being able to limit Bryce Young in this passing attack, I think is true. But I just think, okay, you limit Jamison Williams and they're going to run for 200 yards on you. That's how good this Pama team is in terms of running the football as well. So 
I'm a company man, Chris. PFF's betting dashboard likes Alabama to cover the three and a half, 13 and a half. I'm going to get stick with what PFF is saying. I like Alabama. So I right, just one more question on this game. You could have either quarterback. You're telling me that Cincinnati has the potential number one player in the draft. You can have either quarterback in this game. Which one are you taking? It's Bryce Young. Bryce Young's an underclassman, right? He's not eligible for this draft class, but like what? I, you've talked to a lot of people. I remember Renner talked to fellow Notre Dameer Brady Quinn, like right a couple of weeks into the season. And you're talking about Bryce Young. It's like just, just rare, rare talent, what he could do with his body and like his throwing motion. I mean, he is rare. Bryce Young is rare. I think he's going to be in contention for the number one overall pick when he's drafted. I mean, yeah, when he's Young, drafted Young's such a natural. Uh, I, Ritter's in conversation for QB one, but not number one overall. Bryce Young is, if he could have come out this season, he would be the number one overall pick. Like whoever has it, unless it's the Jaguars, but they would trade back. Like he would go number one overall. That's how good he's been this year. Okay. I just wanted to, I didn't want to get my hopes up too much here for, uh, for this one. You know, the thing about Alabama and it's, it's what beats most teams. You get to the end of the season uh, and their frontline tackle is heard and their frontline linebacker or whatever. And all they have is like four all Americans sitting on the bench behind them. You know, that, that kind of depth and it's in the NFL too. You know, it's, it's, it's not the team that starts the year that you're playing against in the Super Bowl. It's some makeshift group of people that they managed to cobble together at the end of the season. And that's who we're going to give the Lombardi trophy to. And the same thing's true of, of college football. But you look at Alabama and you, and you just know how many All-Americans never got on the field for them this year. And by the time they do get on the field, they're ready to kill somebody. Yeah, and also COVID's ravaging all these bowls. I'm guessing Alabama's not going to even test this week for COVID. I, I I'm not <laughs> sure I've heard an Alabama player miss a game over the past two years with COVID because you know I, I read that in a paper the other day that if if it happened that three of the four teams couldn't make the semifinal game without a game being played, they would name the fourth team as it. national champion. What? I didn't see that. That's yeah, the amount of money they'd lose by that. There's... No, no, no. It, it's true. It's like I, I know. I'm just saying, if that happens, the amount oh, of money they lose by that, the they, schedule, they're just not gonna let it happen, right? If, if it, it so if it ended up that let's say Alabama and Cincinnati that came out and and they both tested positive and couldn't play the game, whoever won the other semifinal game would be national champion. They wouldn't even wow. have the, the next one. Yeah, it's like it's like I don't play Notre Dame. Stop, oh, yeah. stop, stop, <laughs> stop. Every year, every year. All right, give me a little bit on the Michigan game now. Uh, Georgia was number one all year. Uh, Michigan's been red hot. So we talked about how Alabama, you know, Cincinnati, the underdog, matches up well with Bama. This is the opposite, in my opinion. I don't think the underdog, which is Michigan, they're seven and a half point dogs. I don't think they match up well with Georgia, right? Bama was able to go in there against Georgia and throw the ball on them. And we know this Georgia defense is good, but it's specifically good against the run. Jordan Davis, who won a ton of awards this year for the efforts he's made, he's a primary run defender, and a lot of their defense is fitted to stop the run. Bryce Young goes there and torches them through the air. Michigan doesn't have the dogs to do that, right? Kate McNamara, they're not confident in him being the quarterback of the future. They really like the true freshman, J.J. McCarthy. It's going to be a combination of those two trying to do what Bryce Young did and torch them through the air. Because as good as Hassan Haskins is, the Michigan offensive line won the Joe Moore Award. They are a fantastic running football team. Georgia's run defense, in my opinion, has the edge. It's one of the statistically one of the best run defenses we've ever seen since like over the last like 10 years. I think Georgia stops Michigan's run game forces Cade McNamara to throw 
and, and George is able to win this game. Now, I still like Michigan to cover, but I think ultimately um, uh, Georgia wins. And I think they win by six. Yeah, I, I like Georgia. Like you said, the matchups really don't favor Michigan. For Michigan to win, like how I see a path to them pulling off the upset, Jim Harbaugh just got to go all in on the razzle-dazzle. You can't line up and try to punch Georgia in the yes. mouth the way they've done all year, but the way they did to Ohio State. That is not going to end well for you. You can't have that same game plan. you got to come into this with reverses, end arounds, double passes, every single trick play that you've accumulated over your 20-plus years of coaching, Jim Harbaugh, needs to be thrown out in this game because that's the only way I see them moving the ball offensively. All right, finally, let's wrap this up. We started the conversation. We'll end the conversation. Can you believe we're talking about the Cincinnati Bearcats and the Cincinnati Bengals in <laughs> huge football games in the same week? Huge. These are two of the biggest games that Cincinnati has been involved with in its history on the same day. There's no way, you know, same weekend. So <clears throat> give me the best case scenario for the Cincinnati Bengals knocking off the Kansas City Chiefs. How does that happen? I'll start. One, the nation is backing Cincy. Right now, this line opened up at three and a half in favor or four in favor of the Chiefs. It's gotten out to five, but now 78% of the cash bet on this game is Bengals plus five. People like Cincinnati in a lot of ways. And I think it's because of what we saw against Baltimore, not because they beat an injury plagued, COVID battered Ravens team. It's because Zach Taylor finally threw the ball. They threw the ball on 70% of early downs against the Baltimore Ravens. It's the highest we've ever seen from Zach Taylor and the highest we've ever seen in the Joe Burrow era. If they do that against Kansas City, if they step on throats, get aggressive, don't throw away downs by running the football early and actually leverage the best quarterback in the NFL right now with a top three receiving core, they can go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. They can get into a shootout with Patrick Mahomes and win. If they go conservative, like they have in other games, right? Look at the San Francisco 49ers game. They go down 20 to zero in the first three quarters and are able to claw back because they actually start throwing the football. They need to enter this game with their gas pedal through the floorboards, throwing early, leveraging Joe Burrow and attacking this defense. If they do, I think they get into a shootout and they can win this game. Yeah, so they've been dominating teams. The Chiefs have their defense with blitz packages of late. They have, that has been their bread and butter. Joe Burrow, is the second highest graded quarterback in the NFL, 93.3 overall grade against the Blitz this season. I, I think he and that offense and all three of those wide receivers that I mentioned off top, they have answers to this Chiefs defense. So I, I honestly think the Bengals win this game at home with everything that's riding on it for them and not as much riding on it for the Chiefs. I think the Bengals go out and look good offensively against the Chiefs defense that really hasn't had a lot of teams look good against them offensively. Uh, of late, but they haven't also faced an offense that throws as much at them as Joe Burrow and this wide receiving core does. So like Austin touched on there, if Zach Taylor lets Burrow cook against this defense, I think that he does. It's amazing. I mean, it, it really is amazing, but I'm the same way. I, I, I look at when you get to playoff championship, Super Bowl kind of time, it's like, all right, we all know some teams are better defensively. To me, it comes down to who can match points with teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. The Cincinnati Bengals can match points with the Kansas City Chiefs. The Buffalo Bills can probably match points with the Kansas City Chiefs. Then you flip it over, the Green Bay Packers probably can match points. The Dallas Cowboy team that I saw the other night with what they're doing on defense too, but have the, the sort of capability of matching points. 
I, I just tend to think that the defenses can get you here. I'm a little worried about the Bengals' defense and whether they can just purely hold up. No Clyde Edwards, a layer, so, you know, may help a little bit in that sort of scenario. But Joe Burrow, this, this is that moment, right? If Joe Burrow is who we thought he was and who we think he is because – you know, I, I was reading or hearing some of your guys' stats about, yeah, the 14 turnovers and all that kind of stuff. But he's got his, you know, big-time play rate is way above that. Most of those turnovers, you know, weren't his fault. You know, all those sorts of things that could this be that moment that we look back on on Joe Burrow's career where we go, who knew? Who knew yeah. that he could go out there and and, and go toe-to-toe with Pat. Patrick Mahomes had to do it against somebody before anybody believed that too, right? So this is the perfect scenario. They're at home, you know, one o'clock game in their own stadium. The place is going to be going berserk. It's not going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers fans in there that are 50-50 Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's going to be Kansas City. And this is it, right? This is, this is, you get the champ. You get the, you get them. Here we go. Best quarterback. Who is it? Let's see it. I think it's underrated. Go ahead. I was gonna say I think that's a big reason people still are like, oh, that you know, the grading system's got it wrong. Like, I don't think the grading system's got it wrong. People just haven't seen it in that game against the top guy and seen him really go wire to wire elite performance. And this is that stage that he finally gets to have it. And I think this stage too, and I think an underdiscussed part of this game is that if Joe Burrow goes toe to toe, Patrick Mahomes wins. And then puts, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals in the pole position to chase a one seed. Why aren't we talking about as Joe Burrow as an MVP candidate, right? If he goes toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and beats him for a chance at the one seed, I think though he'll be into the conversation. I think Aaron Rodgers will still be the favorite from a betting odds perspective, but I think it'll be Rodgers and a short list before it gets to Burrow, right? Right now, the favorites are Rodgers, then Jonathan Taylor, a running back, which I think you have to almost put Joe Burrow ahead of him. So I think Burrow legitimately punches his ticket high up in the MVP voting if he wins this game and then obviously closes out the season with another win, that, that puts him in a really good position. So I think this game means a lot on both sides. Uh, Joe Burrow in a, a prime spot to go chase an MVP. It will be interesting indeed. Guys, thank you so much during the holiday seasons. I was holding you guys up. I had to do some other stuff <laughs> today. But uh, you guys are the best. I always enjoy listening to your program and your podcasts and uh, the tailgate podcast, which can be heard when give me all the dates. We do three days a week in the, in, in, in season, we do four days a week in the off season. Just check it out anywhere you get your podcast, look up tailgate. And then also we're on YouTube. So check that out as well. It's one of the more entertaining, informative shows you will ever see. You will hear stories from Austin Gale that you cannot believe. <laughs> <laughs> they are so classic.